G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. If you really believe Jesus is coming again, you'll be blessed. The fact that Jesus will return is not just interesting, not just compelling. Pastor Greg Laurie says it's a hope that offers a blessing. So why will I be blessed if I study Bible prophecy? Because I'm told over in 1 John, he that has this hope, that is the hope of the imminent return of Christ, purifies himself even as he is pure. That's why we should study Bible prophecy. This is the day when the lost are found. the news these days can make us anxious. Reading social media can get us agitated. But reading God's Word can bring us hope. That's why the Word of God is our textbook for each study here on A New Beginning. And today, Pastor Greg Laurie continues his series called End of Days with a look at what's to come in God's last day's plan. We'll look back to writings thousands of years old to give us a clearer picture of future events. Only God's Word offers an accurate picture of the future. How many of you ever forget things? Raise your hand if you forget. Oh man, it's, it's becoming a problem with me, okay? I, I leave stuff everywhere, I, sometimes around the country, you know? I forgot this here, I forgot that there. I heard about an elderly couple that were getting ready for bed one night, and the wife said to the husband, oh dear, I'm really hungry for some ice cream. Would you go out and get me some ice cream? He said, yes dear, I'll go out and get you some ice cream. She said, Vanilla. All right, vanilla. Write it down. You always forget. He says, I won't forget vanilla ice cream with whipped cream. Okay, vanilla ice cream with whipped cream. Write it down. You forget. No, no, I won't forget. No, wait. Vanilla ice cream with whipped cream and chocolate sauce. Write it down. I won't forget. I got it. Vanilla ice cream, whipped cream, chocolate sauce. One more thing there. Yes, I want a cherry on top. Okay. Vanilla ice cream, chocolate sauce, whipped cream, and a cherry on top. I'll get it, write it down, I won't forget. So he goes out, comes back about an hour later, and he gives her her ham sandwich. <laughs> she says, I told you to write it down. You forgot the mustard. See, the, <laughs> it's fun to go see now together, isn't it? Um, well, I have good news for you today. God never forgets anything. He remembers everything, and that's very important to understand. See, God, being eternal, lives, well, He lives in the eternal realm, and all of life to God is a continuum to Him. Past is present. Future is past. And when we live in the moment, we remember the past. 
we somewhat remember the distant past and we anticipate the future, but that's it for us. God sees it all as one big thing. It's like He knows the future with complete accuracy as well as we might know the past even better because He doesn't forget things. And so that's the way He sees life. And so as we come back to the book of Daniel, we're gonna see how the Lord will now predict the future for us. When we last left Daniel, he was with his furry friends in the lion's den. This was under the reign of King Darius. But at this particular juncture in Daniel, Daniel chapter seven, we go back chronologically. And he wrote these things and he had this vision uh, back during the rule of Belshazzar. Belshazzar was the last king of Babylon, the young king that blasphemed the Lord and saw the writing on the wall and so forth. So Daniel's probably around 70 years old at this point. God gave to the prophet a very troubling vision about his future and the future of the world. The prophet, who had held his ground with kings and lions, was a little bit freaked out. We're gonna see that his face grew pale and he was trembling at the thought of what was about to come. So he used his phone a friend option and he asked an angel to explain it to him because this was over even Daniel's head. Even though he was able to interpret dreams, he couldn't figure out what this vision meant. And by the way, we are now in the in-between spot of Daniel. The first six chapters of Daniel are historic. You know, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And honestly, a lot of people never get beyond Daniel 1 to 6. But when you get to 7 to 12, now we're into the prophecy where the future is predicted for us. And this is very important because every Christian should have a working knowledge of Bible prophecy, or to use the theological word, the study of eschatology, end times events. Now some would say, well you can't understand all of that. There's no point in and studying it because there's disagreements about it. Well, that may be true, but we must understand it. I mean, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, let the reader understand. Why would Jesus say that if the reader, that would be us, could not understand? He wants us to understand. The parallel book to the book of Daniel in the New Testament is the book of Revelation. Uh, the two go hand in hand. If you want to understand Revelation, study Daniel. If you want a better understanding of Daniel, study Revelation. There's uh, very important connections between the two books. But the very word revelation means unveiling. Why? Because it is God's desire to reveal, not to conceal. He wants us to understand these things. Plus, as I pointed out in my first message in my Daniel series, I told you about a promise found in Revelation, a promise of blessing to anyone who would read the words of the book. Revelation 1.3 says, blessed or happy is a man or the woman who reads and hears the words of this prophecy and keeps the things that are written in it for the time is near. So first you have to read it, then you have to hear it, understand it, and then you have to keep it. You'll be blessed. And what is true of Revelation, I think is true of the study of Bible prophecy in general. 
So why will I be blessed if I study Bible prophecy? Number one, because I will remember that God is in control of all of the events in this world today. Because we live in a scary world. We live in an unstable world. We live in a chaotic world. But God's in control. And when I study Bible prophecy, I'm reassured of the fact. And number two, when I study Bible prophecy, it gives me a heavenly perspective. I'm reminded that I'm just traveling through this life and the afterlife is coming. If you really believe Jesus is coming again, it will affect you in the way that you live. Because I'm told over in 1 John, he that has this hope, that is the hope of the imminent return of Christ, purifies himself even as he is pure. That's why we should study Bible prophecy. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today we're beginning our look at the last half of Daniel, where we find some of the most fascinating prophetic scripture. Pastor Greg continues his message called God, the Future, and You. Daniel is now placed in what we might describe as a spiritual time machine. No, I don't think it was a DeLorean. (laughs) But he did go back to the future, if you will. He was shown what was coming to the world. He sees the history of the world from his day to the last days from Babylon, the kingdom he was in at this moment, to the reign of the Antichrist, which will be the final kingdom on this planet. So Daniel saw the future, then he saw the Lord, and finally he saw himself. Let's talk about the future. Daniel chapter seven, starting in verse one. Read along with me. I'm reading from the New King James Version. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a troubling dream and visions of his head while he was on his bed. Then he wrote down his dream telling the main facts and Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came out of the sea. Each was different from the other. The first was like a lion and he had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. I'll stop there. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, what? (laughs) Now before you get visions of Godzilla, (laughs) Rodan, and Mothra. Remember Godzilla, you know? And, and then Rodan was that kind of winged creature. Mothra was cool because he was just a big, giant, dumb moth. You know, moths are so stupid, aren't they? But um, no, that's not what this is talking about. These are symbolic uh, things that we're reading here. The four dangerous beasts that are given to us here in Daniel 7 represent kingdoms of the world. Different animals are mentioned. We have a lion, we have a bear, and we have a leopard. And each of these represent a nation. And even today, various creatures represent nations. Uh, Great Britain is represented by a lion. The United States is represented by an eagle. And I might add, a bald eagle. (laughs) And I appreciate that. Uh, Of course, Russia is represented by a bear. China is represented by a dragon. So the point is that this is something that is still done today. So these are the great kingdoms of the world. But I find it interesting that as the Lord gives this vision to Daniel and he shows him the future, 
He likens the kingdoms of the world to crazy, ravenous beasts. You know, we look at nations with all their technology, sophistication, and power, having their big military parades, driving their hardware through the streets of this city, looking at all they can do, and God looks at it and He says, you're just like a bunch of crazy, hungry beasts attacking one another. Despite all of our advances in technology, mankind just finds new ways to blow himself up. Now by the way, these beasts that we read about in Daniel 7 parallel the dream of Nebuchadnezzar that we read about earlier. Remember Nebuchadnezzar had a, a dream where he saw an image of, that had a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver, belly and thigh of bronze, and then legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. That parallels this vision, it's the same idea with different illustrations. So first we have the winged lion in verse four, also known as the head of gold. This is mighty Babylon. Multiple times in scripture, Babylon is identified as both a lion and an eagle. So it's a winged lion. That is an image they had. Mighty Babylon lasted from 636 to 539 B.C. and ruled much of the world. In this vision, the lion stands like a man and is given a man's heart. And this reminds us of how the ruler of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was so powerful. But then he was humbled, remember? When he looked at his kingdom and said, look at the great kingdom I've built. Aren't I awesome? And the Lord said, judgment is coming on you. And Nebuchadnezzar lost his senses for a period of time that were restored to him. So he was given a heart of man. That's what that is alluding to. But of course, Babylon was defeated by the Medo-Persian forces under the direction of King Cyrus, bringing us to the bear with three ribs in his mouth. And that parallels the breast and arms of silver, the Medes and Persians. Verse five, another beast comes like a bear raised itself up on one side and he had three ribs in his mouth between the teeth of it and they said to it, arise and devour much flesh. Don't think of a teddy bear. Think of a grizzly bear. And that was the Medo-Persian Empire. They defeated mighty Babylon. But then they were defeated by Greece represented by a leopard with four wings. The wings imply speed. So leopards are already fast cats. But when you put wings on them, they're even faster. And that is given to us there in verse six. There's a leopard uh, which had on the back of it four wings of a bird. Uh, he also had four heads. The beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. Greece was led by Alexander the Great. Alexander was a brilliant military tactician. Uh, in fact, history tells us that Alexander and 35,000 Greek soldiers went up against the Medo-Persian army of 300,000 on the battlefield and won. That's what's so amazing. So it's not a big bear. It's a fierce leopard moving with great speed. But then Alexander dies at 32 unexpectedly. His kingdom is divided among his four generals Hence the phrase, this one has four heads. Now we have one final beast. It's not likened to a bear, a leopard, or a lion. It's just a ferocious beast. Verse seven, after this I saw in the night visions a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, 
strong exceedingly. He had great iron teeth. It devours and broken pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from the beasts that were before it. It had 10 horns. So who defeated Greece? History buffs tell me. Who defeated Greece? Rome, that's correct. And Rome was a powerful nation. A powerful military unlike any other that had ever existed. Rome was very well known for its power and its cruelty. It was Rome that crucified the apostle Peter and beheaded the apostle Paul. It was Rome that banished John to the island of Patmos. Most significantly, it was Rome that crucified our Lord Jesus Christ outside of the walls of Jerusalem. The Romans crucified thousands and thousands of people and conquered most of the world and established something called Pax Romana, forced peace. You either submitted to the power of Rome or you died. Originally Rome was ruled by the Senate, but later the emperors became more powerful and then demanded worship. They saw themselves as deities. They demanded that people say, Hail Caesar, which was in effect giving glory and praise to Caesar, which was kind of a problem with the church because they would not give their worship to a man. And because of this, many of our Christian brothers and sisters in the first and second century died under the persecutions of Rome because they would not say, Hail Caesar. Now here's the funny thing about Rome. Uh, they were never defeated by another power. They just fell apart slowly but surely and crumbled. And so as the story unfolds, there's this powerful, ferocious beast, but then out of it later comes ten horns. What's that all about? In the Bible, horns are symbols of power. So the Bible is saying ten nations are going to come together kind of rooted in Rome in the end times and this will be the confederated nations of the coming world leader, the Antichrist. Now we're into the future. We've already seen Greece. We've already seen the Medo-Persians. We've already seen Babylon and we've seen Rome. But we have not seen the forces of the Antichrist. And out of these horns we also read about a little horn in verse 8 uh, that was among the others, had eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. This little horn, as we will discover, is the Antichrist. You might say he's tooting his own horn right here. Pastor Greg Laurie sharing some important insights on what's to come during the end times. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg will be back to continue his look at the enlightening seventh chapter of Daniel. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called God, the Future and You. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.